Chapter Two of the Life and Adventures of Peter Wilkins, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. The Life and Adventures of Peter Wilkins by Robert Paltick. Chapter Two. I had now been passing my time for about three months in this melancholy way, and, you may imagine, under that disadvantage, had made but little progress in my learning, when one of our maids, taking notice one day of my uneasiness as I sat musing in my chamber, according to my custom, began to rally me that I was certainly in love, I was so sad. Indeed, I never had a thought of love before but the good-natured girl seeming to pity me, and seriously asking me the cause, I fairly opened my heart to her, and, for fear my master should know it, gave her half a crown to be silent. This last engagement fixed her my devotee, and from that time we had frequent conferences in confidence together, till at length inclination framed by opportunity produced the date of a world of concern to me. For about six months after my arrival at the academy, instead of proving my parts by my scholarship, I had proved my manhood by being the destined father of an infant which my female correspondent then assured me would soon be my own. We nevertheless held on our frequent intercourse, nor was I so alarmed at the news as I ought to have been, till about two months after, when Patty, for that was the only name I then knew her by, explained herself to me in the following terms. You know, Mr. Peter, how matters are with me. I should be very sorry for your sake, and my own, to reveal my shame. But in spite of us both, nature will show itself. And truly, I think some care should be taken, and some method proposed, to preserve the infant, and avoid, as far as may be, the inconveniences that may attend us for here is now no room for delay. This speech, I own, gave me the first reflection I ever had in my life, and locked up all my faculties for a long time. Nor was I able, for the variety of ideas that crowded my brain, to make a word of answer, but stood like an image of stone, till Patty, seeing my confusion, desired me to recollect my reason. For as it was too late to undo what had been done— it remained now only to act with that prudence and caution which the nature of the case required, and that, for her part, she would concur in every reasonable measure I should approve of. But I must remember she was only a servant, and had very little due to her for wages, and not a penny besides that, and that there must necessarily be a preparation made for the reception of the infant when time should produce it, I now began to see the absolute necessity of all she said, but how to accomplish it was not in me to comprehend. My own small matter of money was gone, and had been so a long time. We therefore agreed I should write to my mother for a fresh supply. I did so, and to my great confusion was answered by my former friend in the following words. Son Peter, your mother and I are much surprised you should write for money, having so amply provided for you. But, as it is not many months to Christmas, when possibly we may send for you home, you must make yourself easy till then. 
as a schoolboy with all necessaries found him cannot have much occasion for money your loving father j g imagine if it is possible my consternation at the receipt of this letter i began to think i should be tricked out of what my father and grandfather had with so much pains and industry for many years been heaping up for me and had a thousand thoughts altogether jostling out each other so could resolve on nothing i then showed patty the letter and we both condoled my hard fortune but saw no remedy time wore away and nothing done or like to be as i could see for my part i was like one distracted and no more able to assist or counsel what should be done than a child in arms at length poor patty who had sat thinking some time began with telling me she had formed a scheme which in some measure might help us but fearing it might be disagreeable to me she durst not mention it till i should assure her whatever i thought of that i would think no worse of her for proposing it this preparatory introduction startled me a great deal for it darted into my head she waited for my concurrence to destroy the child to which I could never have consented. But upon my assuring her I would not think the worse of her for whatever she should propose, but freely give her my opinion upon it, she told me, as she could see no other way before us but what tended to our disgrace and ruin, if I would marry her, she would immediately quit her place and return to her aunt, who had brought her up from a child, and had enough prettily to live upon, who, she did not doubt, would entertain her as my wife but she was assured upon any other score or under any other name would prove her most inveterate enemy when patty had made an end i was glad to find it no worse and resolving matters a little in my mind both as to affairs at home and the requested marriage i concluded upon this letter and had a great inclination to acquaint my mother of it but was diverted from that by suspecting it might prove a good handle for my new father to work with my mother some mischief against me so determined to marry forthwith send patty to her aunts and remain still at the academy myself till i should see what turn things would take at home accordingly the next day good part of patty's wages went to tie the connubial knot and to the honest parson for a bribe to antedate the certificate and she very soon after took up the rest to defray her journey to her aunt's though patty was within two months of her time she had so managed that no one perceived it and getting safe to her aunt's was delivered of a daughter of which she wrote me word and said she hoped to see me at the end of her month how thought i can she expect to see me money i have none and then i despaired of leave for a journey if i had it and to go without leave would only arm j g against me as i perceived plainly his interest and mine were very remote things so i resolved to quit all thoughts of a journey and wait till opportunity better served for seeing my wife and child and our good aunt to whom we were so much obliged while these and such like cogitations engrossed my whole attention I was most pleasantly surprised one day upon my return from a musing walk by the riverside at the end of our garden where i frequently got my tasks to find patty sitting in the kitchen with my old mistress my master's mother 
who managed his house, he having been a widower many years. The sight of her almost overcame me, as I had bolted into the kitchen and was seen by my old mistress before I had seen Patty with her. The old lady, perceiving me discomposed, inquired into the cause, which I directly imputed to the symptoms of an ague that I told her I had felt upon me best part of the morning. She, a good motherly woman, feeling my pulse and satisfying herself of its disorder, immediately ran to her closet to bring me a cordial, which she assured me had done wonders in the like cases, so that I had but just time to embrace Patty and inquire after our aunt and daughter before Madame returned with the cordial. Having drank it and given thanks, I was going to withdraw, but she would not part with me so, for nothing less than my knowledge that this cordial was of her own making, from whence she had the receipt, and an exact catalogue of the several cures it had done, would serve her turn, which, taking up full three-quarters of an hour, gave room to Patty and me to enjoy each other's glances for that time, to our mutual satisfaction. At last, the old prattle-box, having made a short pause to recover breath from the narrative of the cordial, "'Mr. Peter,' says she, "'you look as if you did not know poor Patty. "'She has not left me so long that you should forget her. "'She is a good tight wench, and I was sorry to part with her. "'But she is out of place,' she says. "'And as that dirty creature Nan is gone, I think to take her again.' "'I told her I well knew she was judge of a good servant, "'and I did not doubt Patty was such if she thought so.' and then I made my exit, lighter in heart by a pound, than I came. I shall not tire you any farther with the amours between self and Patty, but to let you know she quitted her place again seven months after, upon the same score. End of chapter 2 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista